Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning again. It is good to be worshiping together this morning. We are in the second week of our four-part worship series entitled, Why? Where we are taking a look at why we do the things we do as disciples. As followers of Jesus, we are called, we're challenged to do certain things in order to grow in our likeness to Christ. To worship, to study, to give, and to serve. If you've been a part of the church for any amount of time, you know that these things are expected, or at the very least, they're encouraged for each one of us. But why? I think most of us, the because you're supposed to, or you're expected to reasoning is really just not good enough when you are, are asked to give your time and your energy to give all of you So if we are to give all of that to something, then we want to know truly why we are called to do that. And then maybe we are more likely to actually try it out. Last week we focused on why do we worship? And we discovered that worship reminds us that there is something bigger and more awe-inspiring than us. Worship provides a time and a place to think less about ourselves and more about our faith, less about our personal agendas and more about God's activity in the world and God's will for our lives. Today, we are asking the question, why do we learn together? Let's pray. Almighty God, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Help us to open ourselves to what you have to say this morning so that it will empower us to live in light of the gospel message, declaring its truth with our words and embodying its truth through our actions. Amen. After Jesus' death, Jesus' followers were at a loss. They responded with doubt and despair, confusion and fear. And then they experienced these eyewitness encounters with the risen Christ. And it caused them to come face to face with the enormity of what had happened. Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus, in fact, was the Messiah that the Jewish people had been waiting for for so long. And the implications of the the three-word confession, Christ 
is risen. That imposed itself on them, and, and it profoundly reordered everything about their lives. And they began to unpack and question just what it meant to think and to intentionally live in a Christ-like manner. In today's scripture that Beth read for us, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, gives us this glimpse into the lives of those first Jesus followers. By the point this was written, many of the people, many people had joined the Jesus movement who had never heard Jesus' teachings before. And so right before this verse, we see that Peter had preached for, for a long time. And, and those who believed in what he was saying, they were baptized and they, were, they added to the church. They were added to the community. And as they formed this new community, they started off with a solid foundation. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The Greek word that is used here to describe the community is koinonia. It means communion or or fellowship, joint participation in something. And it sounds pretty simple, like most communities that we find ourselves a part of. But then there's another Greek word that's added to it. Okay, I just, I was going to try to say it, and then I just looked out right in front of me, and um, there's um, people who know how to, how to speak Greek, and so it caused me pause. Um, but I'm going to say it anyway, and I'm going to say it with confidence, okay? Proskaterio. We'll, we'll try that, okay? It means continually devoting themselves. And those two words together means so much more than just a regular old community. It means that they continually devoted themselves, they committed themselves to being an authentic community. They took what Jesus himself said about community and they actually lived it out. They didn't just think, oh, well, well, that's nice, that's a great idea, and then go on living their lives, but they really allowed Christ's words to transform them. Anything else, if they didn't have this, this proskaterio, then their attention to the apostles' teaching, their prayers, and anything else would merely be just activities that they engaged in next to each other at the same time in the same place. But these two words, when they're combined, that's when it creates this type of community that, that I think now much of the world is yearning for. So what does this tell us about why we learn together? Well, the first Christian community knew two things that are integral in growing in our Christ-like faith. To becoming a better Christ follower, to becoming a better person than we were before we met Christ. First, we don't know everything. I'm going to say it again. We don't know everything. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you. And then second, community is absolutely vital. As a modern-day disciple, we are called to live these transformed lives because of Christ. The love, the mercy, the forgiveness of Christ that we have experienced causes us to want to be a better person, to be 
to be new, to be created new. And that requires more than simply sitting here for an hour on a Sunday morning. It's through intentionally learning together that God's Spirit is able to work within us, perfecting us in the practices of love while we grow in the knowledge and the love of God. But sometimes we run the risk of thinking that that we know it all, that we've heard it all. We've read the Bible, we've heard the sermons, and, and we're good. We're good to go. But the first followers of Jesus realized that they didn't know everything. That even though some of them had been around with Jesus, learning from him personally, they still needed to learn. They devoted themselves. They committed themselves to learning more about Jesus, more about how to apply his teachings to their lives and how to reorder their lives because of him. No matter how long we have been part of the church, no matter how many Bible studies we have attended or seminary classes that we have taken, we don't know everything. In fact, our growth in Christ spans our entire lives. The more we learn about God and we open ourselves up to God's Spirit, the deeper awareness we will have of God's presence and will in our lives, the more there is to learn. Through God's grace, we become new persons. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. But that becoming a new creation doesn't happen in one instance. It doesn't happen overnight or in one encounter with God. Chapter 3 of Philippians says, Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press onward to the goal. When we really get down to it, the answer to the question, why do we learn together? It really comes down to humility. We learn together because Jesus has a better way of living than we do by ourselves. We don't have it all figured out. And we have to humble ourselves, willing to be taught a better way, a more life-giving way to live. Leading a Bible study has always been a bit intimidating to me. I, it was very convenient in Medina that I would, I would teach confirmation. And so I felt pretty confident that I knew more than a, than a seventh or an eighth grader. But when it comes to teaching an adult Bible study, that's a little intimidating. Because as a leader, there's some expectation that you are to know more than anyone else in the class. And I know that I just don't know everything. Therefore, I run the risk of having someone in the class who knows more than I do. But this time, for, for this Wednesday night uh, Bible study that we're doing on the book of James, I decided to change my approach, to acknowledge that I don't know everything, and to have more of a conversation-based style, rather than me teaching people I come with some research notes, and and we read through the text, and we read it bit by bit, and ask ourselves questions like, well, what is this actually saying? 
And how is God speaking to us through this text? And, mo- and it's amazing how Wednesday night, before I even shared most of what I had learned through research, we came to that realization on our own because the Spirit was with us, guiding us and helping us. And we had some really great conversations last week, I think. And I was reminded that night of James in chapter 1, verse 4. It says, for when, you, for, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, that word perfection that is included here is not the perfection that we normally think of. It's not having everything just so and getting everything always right all the time, but it's this, this wholeness and this integration. It's saying that when our faith is fully developed through endurance, Christ's life and way of being will be one with us. It will be fully integrated into every single part of our lives. That is why we intentionally learn together, so that someday Christ's life will be our lives. But sometimes that's just an overwhelming goal, to think that our life will be Christ's life. And that's why we don't learn by ourselves. We learn together in community. Learning learning together gives us this this network of support and encouragement and, and direction as we seek to grow in Christ. Bible studies, small groups, topical studies, retreats, support groups, dinner groups, all of these are ways that we can learn from one another. Every other week, I drive down to Akron to meet with a group of clergy. We meet at a coffee shop or a church, wherever we feel like meeting, and depending on whether we really need some coffee or lunch that day. And we spend time together catching up on what's been going on, and then we move on to ask ourselves John Wesley's three simple questions. How have you done harm? since we last met? How have you done good? And how are you staying in love with God? Now, this accountability group has become one of the most important things in my life. These are the people that support me and encourage me, who cry with me and comfort me. They know my deepest failings, and they love me anyway. And we learn from each other every single time that we gather. We learn from one another's stories and discover that our own questions and doubts and failings and temptations and missteps, whatever you want to call them, they're not unusual, but they're part of everyone's journey. But we didn't start off as this close-knit group of people. We started off as a bunch of people who knew that ministry is hard and you need help, just like life is hard and you need help getting through. And so we connected with one another and took a risk. And it took weeks that turned into months that turned into years of supporting one another through personal tragedies, through failing churches, and through the, the joys that life brings. They are my people and I would be lesser without them. 
the practices of faith are just too demanding without the support of other people. Other Christians help us to pray and to read scripture and to exercise love and forgiveness and to explore and to respond to the will of God in our lives. But there are so many excuses to why we don't do it. Most often we are intimidated and we say that we don't have time. If you're intimidated, then remind yourself that no one knows everything and that we each have something to give. Some might know more than you on a certain scripture or a book of the Bible, but we all have different experiences and perspectives to bring to the table in order to help one another grow. We are all needed in the learning community. And to say you don't have time, well, to put it bluntly, that just comes down to priorities. We all know that what we say yes to gets our time and what we say no to doesn't. And we have the power to say yes or no. I know it's hard to reprioritize when there's so many people and organizations in your life that, that are vying for your time, that are, that are giving you their own expectations and they want you to live into those. I've had to reprioritize things to, to lead a Bible study. And each time I go to my accountability group, I am making a decision to not do something else in order to make space for that in my life. But I know that it's important. I know that it's worthy of space in my calendar. God is worthy of space on our calendar. With each week's question of why do we do this, there is an opportunity to intentionally make these disciplines part of your, of your life. Last week, I didn't say it, but I wonder if you might guess with worship what your challenge or your opportunity to, to do it might be. Um, do you think it might be just coming to worship? No? You guys, are, you, are you there? Are you with me this morning? I think you, I lost you. The challenge for last week is to just come to worship. This week, the opportunity comes in several forms. There, you heard about three different opportunities to learn in our Sunday schools that are starting next week. And then looking ahead, you can make a commitment in Advent. We will be offering some small group opportunities in the four weeks that are leading up to Christmas. Now, I know what you're thinking. Christmas is busy, right? But life is busy, right? It's always busy. And so if you start planning now an hour for studying to, and gathering together is really not that much. Intentionally learning together is our way of placing ourselves in the hands of God so that we can be sculpted by God so that God can recreate us in the image of Christ. It requires us to step out of our comfort zones, knowing that God will meet us out there. So, the question is, are you ready to learn together? I say, I dare you. Let's pray. Almighty God, we know that through you, wisdom abounds. 
that there is so much to learn, so much to experience. And God, we know that gathered here this morning, there are so many people with so many different experiences and perspectives for ideas and, and lived realities. And so God, help us to see how we can learn from one another, how we can gather together an authentic community so that we might grow in our love for you and become like little Christ in this world to transform this world in Brexville and beyond. Amen.